Who do, do you know the person that you're standing next to? I asked you a question. Do you know the person that you're standing next to? I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you know the person that you're standing next to? What's their favorite color? What's their favorite TV show? What's their favorite Bible verse? What did they have for dinner last night? <laughs> Do you know the person that you're standing next to? No. <laughs> you don't have to know those questions to know the person. That's all right. <laughs> Bow your head with me in a word of prayer. Lord, we are indeed thankful to you today for the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit. It is our desire that you will speak today through us through this word and speak into our lives, that we will be careful to carry out the word and will of God. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I am missing one important item. And if I don't grab it, I won't know what time it is. And therefore, if I don't know what time it is, you won't know what time it is. Because I don't go by your time. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. And we're going to read the Word of God. So I, I know we've gotten so used to sitting doing the Word, but the last couple of weeks I've had you, had you stand. So we're going to stand and read Acts chapter 20. If you have your Bible, Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read actually verses 17 through the end, through 38. From Miletus, Paul spent, excuse me, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And I'm reading from the NIV, so minds will read differently than what will be up on the board in the King James or the ASV. <laughs> Verse number 17 again. Acts 20:17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach, every, uh, preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching 
the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own member number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companion. Verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied to the ship. Please remain standing. Lord, we pray for Sister Nancy right now. Her foot, Lord, her body, that you will bring healing and may the swelling go down. Touch her right now. Thank you for her sweet smile, her body, her, your wonderful grace in her life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Sister Nancy. Person looking out for you. Person came up and asked that we would pray for you. As a title, I'm giving this Paul a call to remember and carry on. Nisha, you can come on down. Paul, a call to remember and carry on. If you're writing it down, Paul, a call to remember and carry on. Some of the things that we're going to go through initially are going to be technical. And so I want you to listen carefully. Come on in. If there's someone that's looking for someone out there, please feel free to come right on in. Um, I, I, I need to say this to you. I want to ask you a question as I start here. And that is this. God bless you, Brother Logan. You must have an announcement for us. All right. Any of y'all know Brother Logan? He, he, he just... <laughs> Amen. I, I, want to, I want to ask you a question today. When you ask for prayer for yourself, what do you do with it? And I'm not preaching on this today. I'm just going to throw out the question. When you ask for prayer, what do you do with that request? I want you to ponder that question. Even though, again, I'm not preaching on that today. Nope, 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 nope. That's not my question. When you ask for prayer, what are you doing with the prayer that's asked for you or you ask for yourself? What are you doing with it? Are you doing 
Anything to honor God? Or do you take God's blessing and consume them on yourselves and continue to go right on your way? What do you do when you ask God to help me? God, would you bless me? I have been pondering this over the last few weeks. When I ask God to bless me, to help me, why? There are times when we get into the habit of asking God for prayers and blessings, but we don't necessarily make plans to do anything about it. There's a reason and a purpose why God blesses us. It is to meet his will. So let me ask you this. When you ask for prayer, what are you going to do with the prayer that you ask for yourself? Prayer is your communication to God. Prayer is for the purpose of God intervening in your life and changing you so that you're better able to serve him. Do you not know that when you ask God to pray, you answer, that when you ask God to help you and to bless you, it is for the purpose of strengthening you to do his will? If you take God's provision and run the other direction, God may be sparing and how he blesses you. There's a general sense when we think about prayer, when we think about God blessing us, that God has, we're under God's grace, under his mercy, certain things that God does. He allows the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. The moon gives us light to the just and the unjust. But there are sometimes special prayers that's just for you. What do you do with them? That's something that you need to consider. God, what am I going to do with your blessing? With your gifting? What am I going to do? So I want to leave that with you. And one day later, I'm going to come back and preach on that. But I just want to drop that off as I go by. And I ain't going to charge you anything for it. Paul, a call to remember and carry on. Let's go through this part here in Acts and deal some some some. Technic, some difficult things here. The, the Greek word presbyteros. Don't worry about trying to write it down. Well, you can't. Presbyteros. <laughs> if you're writing it down, P-R-E-B-U-T-E-R-O-S. Presbyteros is a Greek word that means elder. We get the word Presbyterian. From the Greek word presbyteros. In regards to the church, according to Dr. John Butler, the title refers to a mature person who has leadership in the church. The elders in the church were also called overseers. And from the Greek word from overseers, we get episkopos. E-P-I-S-K-O-P-O-S. You've gotten two Greek words today that I'm going to just drop off at your feet. Presbyteros, elder, and episkopos, overseer. 
We get the English word Episcopalian from this word. This is a person who has oversight. So when you hear the word elder and overseer, those words are at times used interchangeably in the word of God. They, they sometimes, that's just the air. No, that's the air. There are times when you will see the word elder and the word overseer, and it means the same. That's okay. It's just the, um, the air. These leaders that came to Ephesus, that, Paul, that came from Ephesus, Paul called them. He called the elders to him, and we're going to deal with that a little bit later on. The town or city of Miletus that Paul goes to is about 30 miles from Ephesus. Now, as we remember, Paul spent a great amount of time in Ephesus. If you remember, when he started, I believe, his third missionary journey, he went through to Ephesus, and there was a group of, of men, 12, and he asked them a question, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then he asked them a question, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism. He says, John's baptism was on a water, one of repentance. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he then prayed for them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so Paul spent considerable time in Ephesus. Now, there are four main points that we're going to look at today, and I'm not going to be before you long. I'm going to give you the four points now and then address them as we go. Four points. The first one is the one calling, the O-N-E calling, the one calling. Number two, those being called. Number three, the message to the called. Number four, the departure. Number one, the one who is calling. It is Paul who is the one that's calling the elders, the, the presbyteros, the, those that he had left in charge. He's calling them from Miletus because Paul is going to be going back to Jerusalem. He calls them to come to him 30 miles away. Now, there could be various reasons why Paul didn't go to, to Ephesus, back to Ephesus. One of the passages said that he wanted to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost. But it is also quite possible that Paul didn't want to go to Ephesus because he was under extreme trouble, trials, and always been persecuted. So he possibly may have thought, let me call the elders here. So the person that's calling in verse 17 of chapter 20 is Paul. You see, Paul had spent their time there preaching, teaching, and pastoring those that were there. And so he awaits for them in the city of Miletus. He calls the overseers. One of the things that's so important is that people that you train, you know what you put in them. People that you train, you know what you put in them. Have you ever trained a person 
release them on the job, and do they, they do everything opposite of what you told them to do. You told them to go this way. They said, I ain't going that way. I'm going this way. You told them when you do the book, you need to write this in this ledger. They said, I'm not using that ledger. I'm going to use this ledger. What was the reason that you trained them for if they're going to do everything opposite of what you told them to do? But you see, it was Paul who called the elders, and he called them because he knew that he could trust them because he had implanted something there. You see, it's important that you know what you put in the lives of people. We're teaching all the time, whether you know it or not. Not just what you say. How you live. Even how you look. You give your kids a certain look, they know what that look means. You ain't got to say nothing. My mom used to sit here on that second row. I'd be over there playing with David Jones. Rubber band and, and somebody would say, your mama, won't you? <laughs> I didn't hear her voice. But somebody saw her and said, your mama, won't you? Now, I had two choices. To look or not to look. If I didn't look, I would feel the heat of those eyes on me saying, look at me, boy. Don't you hear me calling you? And so I looked at her, and she go, stop that plane, or you know what you're going to get when you get home. It was all said in those eyes in that statement with her lips and mouth. I had one chance. Number two, Oh, Lord. <laughs> that happened only on occasion when the finger said, come here, <laughs> sit down. That wasn't the end of the story. Why? She trained me. She put something in there. All right. I knew. Now, I already told you I never like to hear those words, wait till your daddy gets home. <laughs> I told you all that's already. I get sleepy at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So when, I, so when I come home from school, it's time for bed. Hey, Mom, see you tomorrow morning. No snack? No. Tell my friends I'll talk to them later. Wait till your daddy gets home. There was something that was put there. And I knew by what was put there that 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 I had to act a certain way when I was even away from the house. Chuck know what I'm talking about. Derek Dwayne, they knew the same thing. They, they knew. Y'all knew. Paul had put something in these leaders. And he could call them because now he's expecting something out of them. You see, he had already gone to the synagogue, and because they had rejected the word of God, they had rejected Messiah, Paul took those 12 men 
and went to the 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 the, the place of Tyrannus, the, the hall there, and taught them, and others began to join. He went to the marketplace and house to house daily, preaching the word of God. And even while he was in Ephesus, Paul worked and made tents. Not only did he supply the needs of those that were with him, or his own needs, he actually he actually blessed those that were working alongside him. So he met his needs as well as these, the friends. This is a person that's calling them. He has set an example, and they know that they can trust him. You see, you have to have credibility with people to be able to call them and call something forth out of their lives. Paul had that with this group. And so there is no resistance when they're called. Point number two. Those being called. Those under Paul's ministry, his leadership, he selected certain ones. He didn't call everybody. He selected those that he worked with and trained. Everybody is not going to be in the same position. There are people always vying for another person's position. Person driving down the street. Come next to me, they... Get into that person's lane. No, nobody passing me. Person come over there. Go back and do this lane. I want you passing me. Stay in your own lane. <laughs> what is God doing? God says, I have given gifts. Now, that don't apply to me. I'm going to be in everybody's lane. <laughs> I'm trying not to be. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You see, I- I'm going to say this. When my wife drives, I keep an eye on the road. She's a good driver. <laughs> she is. But I don't sleep too easy depending on where we're going. It's not that she's not a good driver. I just can't rest. Now, if she's going to Stockton, I'm cool. But if we're on Interstate 5 going to L.A., I can rest a little bit. But as we get close to that city, mm -mm, I'm up. I'm awake. That's just me. Y'all don't have that problem. Y'all don't don't have that problem. That's me. (laughs) She do the same thing with me. She ain't always comfortable with my driving. You're getting too close to that car. (laughs) You come up real fast on that car. Hey, you see that problem? I see him. You know, we're always more comfortable with our own driving, you know. <laughs> when Paul called these individuals and they came, he was calling them because they had a certain job to do. And when he called them, he is going to call forth out of them what's been implanted. And what he expects them to be is not only elders, but I want you to get this. Paul expects them to also be overseers, which is another word that means pastors. You see, in the New Testament, the word pastor doesn't appear, I think, but one time, maybe a couple, but, but, but most times it's the word bishop, the word elder. But, but, but Paul says, when you look further down, I want you to be overseers of the flock. So it could be kind of confusing when you say, when the elders, wait a minute, 
Paul is saying now, you've got a job to do. You've got to watch out for the flock. One of the most important things to do for the body of Christ, one of the, things, one of the most important things for the pastor, is not preach, teach, but to, walk, to watch for the flock. Why? Because there's danger involved in ministry. Do you not know that you have an enemy of your soul who will create opportunities for you to just slide away from your protection? You see, Paul gave them this warning, but before Paul did this, he did something very interesting. He laid out for them his life. And I want you to note a couple of things that Paul says as he called those. And in fact, what we're going to just do, because I'm moving right on, point two, we're going to go right into point number three, which is the message to the called. So as he calls these individuals, and notice this, he doesn't call the Sanhedrin. Who is the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin is who? The Jewish Supreme Court. He didn't call them. He called the leaders that he chose, that he trained. Point number three, the message to the call. One of the first things that Paul does in this message, in verse number 18, Paul says, When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I am convinced that Paul, for the three years that he was there, lived an exemplary life. You see, some people can go four months and be okay. But by month number five, watch out. Watch out. You don't know what's going to happen. Paul says, I live a life that you know about, and I was faithful to the task. For three years, I ministered, I trained, I worked with, I helped you, I loved you. You all know that. He said, all of you know it. This is the first time in Scripture where Paul is preaching to Christians. Paul spoke to the Greeks, to the Jewish leaders. This is the first message that we have recorded in Scripture of Paul and the only one in Acts where he preached to the Christians. He's preaching to those on in the city of this place of Miletus. And as he's preaching to them, he's laying out his life because he wants to use it as an example of one, of one that you can follow. He says, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came to the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. Although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. I know this. Wherever Paul went, every time he went out, he was always being chased from town to town. Somebody wanted to kill him. Somebody wanted to throw rocks at him. Somebody wanted to beat him up. Always on the run. But you know what? He didn't stop. Some people, you say something one time to them. One time, I'm gone. (laughs) I'm out of here. Not Paul. Paul stayed. 
three years, place to place. Can you imagine this? Every place you go, somebody got a rock in their hand, and you the target. Every place you go, and the thing, and you know it. You know you're the target. Why? Because of the message that you carry. Because of who you represent. Satan wants to shut down the Word of God. He wants to do it in two ways, at least. He wants to shut it down verbally, and he wants to shut it down by how you live. He wants to shut it down verbally so that you don't speak it, and then he wants us to live raggedy lives so that people point at you and say, that's why I'm not a Christian. If that's what a Christian is like, I don't want to be one. It's by how we live. Paul said, you can't point to my life and say, I have not been faithful. And so he said, take inspection of me. Can you really say and open up your life and say that anybody can take inspection of your life? What would they find? What would they find if they began to peel back the layers? What's there? Paul says, pull them back. I was tested, but I remained faithful. And I cried. I was with tears. It is interesting that Paul stayed in Ephesus. In just about every place, he was run out of town. Now... Paul tells the overseers of the church in verse 21 that his message was the same to both the Jews and the Greeks. Now, Paul is saying that I was consistent in my message. Now, I know some people who will say, I've done this before, you know, don't trust so-and-so. They'll say this, and then they'll go to that person. Don't trust so-and-so. They were just talking about you. I just heard them. They were saying some things. And they go back, do you not know what that person just said about you over here? Paul says, I gave the same message. There was nobody that can go saying over here, he said this to me. He said this to me. over." No, Paul says, I gave the same message. And what was the message? Jesus Christ saved. You need to accept him to both the Jews and the Greeks. Now, why is that important? You see... The Jewish nation did not accept the Lord Christ as a Messiah. And so when Paul came, there was a stirring. Why? Because one of the things that was interesting is that Greeks were being saved. Do you not know when one of the biggest controversies were? In Acts 15, it comes to light. The Jewish nation said that nobody outside of the Jewish nation can be saved No Greeks unless they are circumcised and keep all of the law. That was one of the biggest controversies. That actually called, that that was why the first council was called to be. Those elders in Jerusalem uh, um, and the, the, the leaders from Antioch, Paul and others, went to Jerusalem to deal with this matter. And they had to discuss this. No one can be saved, they were saying, unless they are circumcised and obey all of the Torah, the law, 
books of Moses. Paul says, I preached the same message to both the Jewish nation and the Greeks. Today, there are TV evangelists and people saying that you can compromise how you, or how you live. Just love everybody. Just be happy. Be successful in life. God wants to give you the world. Bless you abundantly. He wants you to be happy, not sad. God brings no harm into your life. Everybody goes to heaven. Just be a good person and you'll get there. Not all TV evangelists, but some. Paul says, I didn't preach that. Paul says, I preached grace. I preached mercy. I preached hell. I preached heaven. And I told people they ain't accepting Jesus Christ, they're going to hell. That's Paul said, that's what I preached. Paul says, I didn't change the message. What are you preaching today? We have to change the tactics at time to win people. The message doesn't change. So in these leaders that Paul is speaking to, he is letting them know. Now, in this message that Paul is dealing with these leaders, he tells them that you also need to be on the lookout. You need to be on the lookout, church, because there are going to be savage wolves that's going to come in and try to destroy the flock. Why does Satan hate the church so much? Because of Christ. And you were made in his image. He comes as an angel of light. But his intentions are always poisonous. I don't care how you stroke a snake and pet him. How you cuddle him. If he's got venom in him, you're going to get bitten. I don't care how much you might like your skunk. <laughs> you might pet that pet skunk all you want. You come in and startle him, you're going to get sprayed. You scare him, he's still threatened, he's going to spray you. His true colors are going to eventually come out. There are people today that somehow think they can play with God. God and play with sin and play. You won't get bitten. Paul tells them, be on the lookout, not only from without, but from within. Even some within the ranks are going to rise up and try to steal some away. Paul said that when I was with you, I worked. I wouldn't even take your money. He said, I was supported by other, another ministry when I came to town to start this here. Didn't want to be a burden. I worked with my own hands to set an example, he was saying. Not that it is all, at all wrong for the church to support the pastor. They should. But Paul was setting an example. He says, I did not want to be a hindrance to you. Wanted you to hear the word. Didn't want to be like some of those hucksters that were coming to town. Some of those prophets, they come to town and they would fleece the flock. And they would be gone. Paul says, I stayed. Be on the lookout for those who are coming to town to destroy the church. 
Be on the lookout for those from without as well as from those from within. Guard them. And that would be a word to the pastors. You see that word, the overseers. He's now talking to them as pastors. You're going to be in charge. Be on the lookout and guard the flock. When there's a problem, help them. Deal with them. Like I said, how to help a person today. And the person knew right where to run to. Ain't that right? God is awesome. When he can take a situation that could be ugly and turn it for his own glory and help the individual. That's what God will do. It says something. The person's growing. The person is learning. God says that I'll do it. God says guard the flock. Watch them. Be careful. Protect them. Because the enemy is going to come in. And try to destroy. And so the warning is given. Now I need to say this as I come to a close fairly soon here. The Ephesians and the church of Ephesus is referenced as as the first church in the book of Revelation where God had a complaint against. They were one of the seven churches of Asia Minor where the Lord in chapter 2 of Revelation says, You know, I love you. You've done well here, but I've got a complaint against you. And in this book of Revelation, we find the church of Ephesus. And whenever God brings a word of correction, it is always a statement to clean it up because, or else I'm coming to town in your life. And the Lord's complaint against these Ephesians, in fact, why don't we just read it for a moment here. T- turn in your Bible to, now, don't, now some of y'all scared of Revelation. I don't, I don't go to the book of Revelation. <laughs> Protect them, Lord. That, that's going there right now. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2. I want you just briefly to follow along as we bring this to a conclusion. It says this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, to the pastor of the church of Ephesus, write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. Now look at this. Your hard work and your perseverance. Wow. He's referencing what Paul had put in them. I know your hard work. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. Wait a minute. Paul had just warned them, be on the lookout. And they're being commended by God. That you, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. And have found them false. They've done a good job in this place. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary yet. But (laughs) I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Now get this. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. 
If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, you always have to be careful when the Lord says, but, because that's what you've got to correct. As these Ephesians in the book of Revelation had watched, they grew weary in their love for Christ. Ah, do I have to hear that passage again? Oh. They singing that song again? Oh. Didn't we just hear that message last year? Do I have to go to church every Sunday? Well, the Lord can say, well, do I have to let the sunshine shine every day? Do I have to temper the air so you can breathe every day? Do I keep after feeding your body every day? Just think if the Lord did that. Hmm. We have to evaluate. Point number four, and I come to a conclusion. Give me two minutes. The departure. As Paul is prepared to depart, the Bible says he gathered them. They hugged and kissed each other and cheeks. That was the, the greeting at these days. Wasn't nothing weird about it. Day. Take words and that have meaning and people apply all types of things to them. Change the meaning. Paul says they hugged and greeted. And he, 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 they hugged each other and kissed each other on the cheek and his brotherly affection Because Paul says, I've got to leave and I'm never coming back. I won't ever be able to see your faces again. And the Bible says that they grieved. And the thing that grieved them the most was a statement that they would never see his face again. But the charge that they have been given. And then one of the most interesting things that we find and is incredible is that he knelt to pray. Right there where they were, they kneeled and he prayed. Prayer is so powerful. Prayer is so powerful. It, 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 it is something that you cannot do without. Paul knelt and prayed. Because they're going to go a different direction, and he's going to go. Isn't it interesting how Paul, just like Jesus met with his disciples, giving them the last word, there was sadness and yet joy from meeting and seeing. And that said, he said, this is the last time you'll see me on this side of eternity, and this is the last time they're going to see Paul. Isn't it interesting how the Lord ministered three years with his disciples, and Paul was in Ephesus ministering three years? Isn't it it's just, just interesting that there were 12 men that Paul first met and came to in Ephesus and Christ had 12 disciples? He prayed and then 
departed. When he departed, they had a job to do. Your job doesn't end when you leave church here today. It just begins. You've got a work to do. You have a work to do when you leave here. When Paul instructed them, they had an assignment. You've got to complete the assignment that God has given you. Let me ask you a couple questions at the end. How equipped are you? How equipped are you becoming in carrying forth the word of God? How watchful are you with correct doctrine? Have you forsaken your first love, Jesus Christ, for the temporary pleasures of this world? Has God's love been forsaken for what the enemy holds out as appealing and appeasing to the eyes? There's a work for you to do. And your work begins when you leave this place. Paul, a call to remember and carry on the work that needs to be carried on. Your work is not done until the Lord calls you home, calls you out of this place. But first, you've got to be hired. You've got to get in. <laughs> Bow your heads with me, if you would. Evaluation is always important. As Paul evaluated his life, he instructed those that he taught and said, Now, I've showed you how I've lived. Now, carry on the work. I want you to take inventory of your life and say, you know what? Am I carrying on the message that I'm supposed to carry on? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Today, Lord, in this place, we pray that we are being equipped to carry forth the word of God. That we're being watchful with our doctrine, our teaching. And that what people are carrying forth is that which will give the word and preserve and save lives. May we be careful what we carry forth. Not the gossip. Not slander. But just as these leaders, these individuals were trained and then they were instructed to go back to guard and to watch and to carry on. We have the same task and responsibility. But there are people today that still need to be saved. People today that still need to hear the word of God. Still need to come to an understanding. We love you today and praise you. And in this place, we pray that God, your word, will penetrate so deeply that we meditate, it. We meditate on it all week long. We honor you. And we give you glory in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.